She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files adjacent podcast. In search of... Learning ESP. This episode's story was by Howard Lipstone. The narration was written by Robert R. Long. And it was produced by Deborah Bloom. It was edited by George Hively with assistance from Tim Irwin. And the series is hosted and narrated by Leonard Nimoy. This episode originally aired on Saturday, May 28th, 1977, which is the second of two episodes that aired an obvious celebration of my negative fifth birthday, because obviously I was not born yet, but that is my birthday. And my birthday's on a Saturday again this year. So that's exciting. This this year being 2022. Yes. So in 1977, it was Saturday. And now in 2022, it will also be a Saturday. Wow. I'm actually alive for this one. Unlike the one in 1977. Oh, I was like, wait, you have been alive for previous ones? Okay. I was a little confused there. Okay. Did not yet exist. Zombie Tory. (laughs) No, I've never been undead, unfortunately. Oh, bummer. Anyway, so we start with our opening narration. Men on the moon. The dream became reality in 1969. A number of the astronauts who would travel to the moon brought back stories of special perceptions they had in space. Astronaut Edgar Mitchell was so intrigued on his 1971 voyage to the moon, he attempted a secret experiment. Mitchell tried to send telepathic images to four colleagues on Earth. The results were analyzed by mathematicians. They concluded that the odds against duplicating Mitchell's results by chance were 3,000 to 1. Whoa. And then we see Leonard Nimoy sitting around a table with several children. The same simple experiment Edgar Mitchell performed from the moon has been performed by amateurs and scientists on Earth for 50 years. The results argue persuasively that something more than chance is at work. They also indicate that at one time or another, most people exhibit some ESP power. Children are often particularly sensitive. Perhaps that's because no one has ever taught them to laugh at ESP. There are newer more sophisticated ways of testing ESP. Tests that seem to confirm some ability in people beyond what is considered to be the normal range. And then we see one of these ways, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Mm -hmm. Investigators are beginning to find ways to perfect those abilities. ESP is real, they believe, and can be taught to almost anyone who is willing to learn. And then we get the opening credits. Do, 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 do. I can't even know how the song goes, but you know, it's that that tinny science TV song. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, like that. Yeah. And then Nimoy comes back and he tells us a little more. Men are taught that they have five senses. Extrasensory perception has been measured in laboratories. Many scientists believe it can be taught. They're very dis- separate sentences like none of them have to do with each other but anyway no and then also it's pretty much what he already said so i'm like you don't really need to come back and say that but okay and then we get in search of learning esp (gasps) then we finish off the credits and then we get our theory and conjecture bits 
and then we're going to start the episode. All I have to say watching this episode is that I really want a set of those giant cards that Peter Venkman uses in Ghostbusters. Yeah, those are pretty cool. Yeah. Sadly, I think those were made only for the movie because I've been looking and looking and looking and they just come in standard playing card size. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Wah, wah, wah. So then we start the episode and again, we see Nimoy sitting around a table with seven children and we learn that these are fourth graders from a Los Angeles public school. They were selected based on their enthusiasm for the experiment. So, I mean, I totally would have been picked. I just want to say I would have yeah. been very excited. So not a random <laughs> choice. Yes. No. Kids who probably wish they had ESP, to be honest. But none of them have had their ESP abilities tested before, though. And the test was designed by the late Joseph Ryan, a pioneer ESP researcher from Duke University. So there are 25 cards with five symbols. You've got the wavy lines, the cross, the star, the square, and the circle. I actually have a deck of those sitting right next to me. Do yours have the colors? No, mine are black and white. Okay, because I guess they're technically colored as well because each shape is a different color. Oh, gotcha. So you got different. No, mine is just the regular black and white deck. Yeah, so I and I think that I think that was intentional because I also learned that when you go through them, so the circle is a single line, so it is one, and then the cross is two lines, so it is two. The wavy lines are three wavy lines, so it is three. The square is four lines, so it is four, and the star is well, the star is actually more than five lines, but it's got five points, so it's five. So you've got like three different ways to separate them. You've got the shapes, you've got the colors, and then you've also got the one, two, three, four, five. So nice. That was intentional, apparently. Cool. So yeah. So basically, in this segment, the children are going to try to read Nimoy's mind. And so they kind of do the test, you know, where they like guess which card he's holding or whatever. It goes very fast, but I'm assuming that that's editing and that when they were actually doing it, they gave the kids like a minute to like, or you know, Nimoy time to like really picture the image in his head i don't know yeah because like- they go through the whole deck yeah yeah and on the show it feels very quick it's like okay pick your card okay pick your card and it's like it must have gone a little slower when they were actually doing it anyway two children did better than would have been expected by guessing one actually did worse Ooh. and we learn about a negative esp effect which that's got to be a bummer you're like a kid who's really excited and they're like you're actually anti-esp <laughs> Yeah, or that's just how probability works, but yeah. Yes, yeah, that too. (laughs) (laughs) Additionally, it's noted that some of those who did well at first fall behind in later tests, and some of those who lagged begin to surpass the others. So the longer they go, the more things shift around, which again... Almost like they're learning ESP. Or like it's random chance, and so things switch around. The title is not random chance. The title is learning ESP, touring <laughs> the on brand. Okay. So a new test is improvised on screen, and it's kind of an ESP go fish. So basically, like Nimoy picks a card, and the kids have matching cards, and so they put down the card on the table that they think is the one that he is holding, thinking of, whatever. In the first round, four out of seven of the kids are correct. In the second round, three out of seven are correct, but only one kid was correct both times. Ooh. 
which is interesting because that kid, JJ, had actually scored the lowest in the first round, like the first test that they did. This is a new test. Mm. In that first test, he did the worst. But now he's coming on strong. So as they continue, JJ ends up getting five of five correct. So he's on a streak. Yeah, honestly, I think JJ was seeing the reflection of the cards and the camera that Nimoy was holding because, <laughs> like, the lining is perfect. And you see his eyes kind of, like, keeps looking at the camera. And I think he can see the reflection in, like, the lens. But I don't know. I don't know for sure. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say it's pretty <laughs> interesting that, like, the kid who's right next to him is the one who's getting them all right. And I don't know. I didn't think about the camera thing, but I was like, he's got to be somehow seeing them somewhere. Yeah, because apparently uh, they obviously had more than one camera in the scene because we do get different shots. But there is one shot when they're like showing Nimoy from like behind the kids. And so you see Nimoy's face sort of like over Nimoy's shoulder that above one of the in the background, you can kind of see the edge of the other camera that is over Nimoy's shoulder. So they kind of framed it so you can't see the other camera. So they're definitely using like at least two cameras. And so I think that one camera was probably there the whole time. And I think JJ was just like, oh, I can see the cards in the reflection. And so his eyes would appear periodically flick over to the lens. But anyway, so <laughs> yeah. Then we get some mid episode narration. Um, I mean, obviously, Leonard Nimoy narrates the entire episode, but sometimes he actually does like narration, narration. Yeah. So, sometimes it's yeah. like, I'm just telling you what's going on. And then sometimes it's like, here is a dramatic reading of what I want you to learn or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It is possible that ESP skill is like musical ability, something that most normal people can perfect with study and practice. Certainly, there are young virtuosos in ESP, just as there are in music. Performances by ESP virtuosos, if indeed that's what they are, attract a lot of attention. Public acceptance of ESP and other psychic phenomena appear to be increasing. Behavior that once got people burned at the stake. Researchers include ESP, among other expressions of psychic power, like the professed ability of some to bend metal with their minds. Dr. Lawrence Kennedy uses spoon bending to illustrate the power he believes everyone can be trained to use. And we get a scene of, I'm pretty sure Dr. Lawrence Kennedy and his son Christopher are actually like at stage one of starting a cult. Uh Yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm hmm. They have a bunch of people around them and they're like bending spoons, but it's very like dramatic. And I don't know. Yeah, it feels very culty. Yeah. And then we started a new segment and he says, many investigators now believe ESP can be taught. So we're getting into the learning ESP. Yeah. So then we meet retired businessman Robert Monroe. Monroe has outfitted a farmhouse in Virginia as a training center to teach others to separate mind from body. Oh, And his work is being paralleled at a larger scale at the University of Virginia. Mm. At the American Society for Psychical Research in New York, a man named Alex Tanos is about to test his remote viewing abilities. We're told that Tanos's powers are the result of long hours of study and training at various scientific institutions. What happened to the University of Virginia? We just said, like, it's being done and then they just skipped over it. Yep. And then we go to UC Davis in California. Oh, all right. And we learn that ESP is undergoing increasing scientific scrutiny. And we meet Dr. Charles Tart, who is a psychologist. And he says, what we have to do is start where other sciences started in their infancy. Simply observe what happens and hope we can find some regularities that will do it. 
The major point of my research is to start with college students, find those who have some latent ability to use ESP, and train them so they can use it strongly and regularly. That's what it's all about. That sounds like Dr. Peter Venkman. It does. That sounds like, yeah. And he has this like 10 choice ESP trainer, which is kind of like this wheel that has numbers and lights on it. And like, basically he operates it from the other room and he turns it on. And once he turns it on, there's like a light that shows up so that like she knows it's working. And then his side will like pick like his portion of the computer will like pick a number or whatever and then he has a screen where he's watching the machine that the the subject is sitting in front of in this case it's a young woman Mm -hmm. and he and he tries to like psychically indicate to her what number is correct so as she moves her hand over the circular board and like if the number is seven when she gets close to seven he'll go yes yes that one and like but he's in another room and she can't hear him and then when she picks a number it will like indicate whether she was correct or wrong so she can know how well she's doing which he thinks helps with the process yeah i do like that he says this is a 10 choice esp trainer that you're going to work out on today like carrying through the little theme of like it's exercise equipment like exercising for your brain Uh uh-huh yeah Although I think the flaw in this, I think the flaw in all these tests, really, because if we're talking about ESP communication, communication technically is between two parties, at least in theory. And what if Dr. Tart is just like really, maybe he has negative ESP effect and he's super bad at like transmitting his thoughts. And so he's like thwarting his own research. Yeah, that's entirely possible. I actually really found this test fascinating, though. I don't know if it was because it was kind of like a game. And so, like, when he was, like, willing her to, like, pick the right one and then she'd pick one, it was like, oh, she got it or she didn't. I don't know. I could have watched this for the whole episode. I thought it was really fun. See, and to me, this was like, I was like, okay, come on, move along, move along, move along. Oh, see, and I thought this was really interesting. Not because I think it's anything to do with psychic ability, but because it's kind of like a guessing game. And it was like, you know, you're rooting for her. You're like, get it, get it. And then she doesn't. You're like, oh. And then she starts to get it. You're like, yes. I don't know. For me, it was, I like probably says a lot about our different individual TV viewing habits. (laughs) Yeah. I also watch a lot of Twitch. So, you know, maybe that's why I'm like, oh, I would say he is very like, it's almost like he's watching like a sports thing or something because he's like up in his seat and like all over there like waving his hands trying to like i'm like you're like getting way too excited about this so yeah yeah she's not really good at it though also i think she might be better at it if like he's at like a desk and his thing is like up and he like has a thing where he pulls a lever and apparently the machine randomly picks a number so he's not he's not he doesn't know what number is going to come up and then, you know, then he thinks about the number that shows up and then she's supposed to try and guess it. And so that kind of stuff. But hers is like on the floor and she's like all bent over and has to push the things on the floor. I'm like, maybe make her more comfortable. That might help her ESP, too. Yeah. Know, but she's not thinking about how her legs are cramping because she's bent over this machine. Yeah. Like, oh, my. I mean, yeah, I'm like I'm like a 20 year old college student. But you know what? My back still only bent <laughs> so far. So. And then we come back from our final commercials. This is where we, we normally get like our conclusion. 
Mm-hmm. This is actually only a little two-minute section, but this episode egregiously breaks the rule that you never introduce new material in a conclusion. So, I mean, honestly, most of the insert of episodes do that, but this one is like so much new information that it's we kind of almost even don't get a real closing narration. We just get yeah. like narration of the clip, and then it's like boom, we're out. Yeah, it was kind of weird, honestly. Because yeah. like we're doing all these ESP tests, and then we just like cut to this woman and like it's like, wait, what are we doing? And then by the time you figure it out, like the episode's over, you're like, wait, what? <laughs> what happened? Yeah. So we get, so basically he gets his narration. It was like the village of Tiwanaku, Bolivia. It is an old village, but the strange stone figures that watch over it are older still. Karen Gessler is a psychic. She has traveled all this way from the campus of Duke University to help unravel the mystery of the stones. Yeah, and then we see Gessa walking around like she can't see, and she has an outstretched hand that's like pushing against the air as if she's feeling for something. Yeah, and we say explorer David Zink has sent for her. Yeah, and you may remember that name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we I knew do. him as Doctor David Zink when we went in search of Atlantis. Mm-hmm. So one of his fellow Atlantis hunters was Pino Tarola who later trekked through the Andes and believed that the Atlanteans created the megaliths of ancient civilizations, such as those of Tiwanaku. Everything is connected. Count Pino Tarola. Yeah. <laughs> so then we continue our narration of the scene. Karen is considered something of a mystery herself. Investigators at Duke University, so bringing it back around Duke University, have been baffled by the strength of her ESP power. She feels that the same kind of ESP power is evident in the debris of Tiwanaku. Karen believes that the mysterious architects of these ruins had psychic abilities beyond the reach of modern men. (gasps) Whoa. Yeah. So they look at some pottery fragments and she says she feels a clear line of energy coming directly from the city and can't believe it's coming from, quote, a couple of dumb pieces of pottery. (laughs) She says the energy is in the ground and she wishes she had a shovel. Oh my God. Dig it up. (laughs) Karen's psychic impressions of Tiwanaku led her to think the ancients could communicate telepathically. Once this civilization reached full flower, Karen believes that instead of pushing towards new frontiers of thought, the ancients turned their minds against each other. Hopefully we will not be so foolish. And it's over. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's so weird because like the first part is like these two like psychic tests. Then we get like a little bit of spoon bending, a little bit of the guy we're told is super psychic, but we don't really get anything. And we get like a 10 seconds. Like we don't really get much of him, which is weird because like if this guy's super psychic, why don't we get. Yeah, well, he's a remote viewer, too. So like so we get something another like completely different thing. And then we get the one guy, Mr. Monroe, who actually is like an out-of-body dude. So he's doing out-of-body experiences, not really like ESP. And then, yeah, it's like all over the place. It's kind of like X-Files, where it's like, you get all the psychic powers. Get all of yeah, we're not going to focus in on one. We're just going to talk about every single version yeah. of it. We just didn't do um, Predicting the Future is pretty much all the ones we didn't. We didn't hit that. So, well, I guess we didn't do psychometry either. But, yeah. yeah, well, those aren't ones that you can learn, Nick. Those are ones you have to, like, be born oh, with or get hit on the head or yeah, have some unfortunate accident. Yeah, fall or, off a ladder and become a psychic detective. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's how that works. Yeah. So despite the spot reserved in my happy place for this show, because I watched it as a kid, um, it's one of my foundational memories. I often feel the post episode research that we do would make far better episodes than the actual episode does. So could you find some very interesting stuff in the research? So also we're getting far enough into the series now that both explicitly and implicitly we're getting all these interconnections between topics, which is kind of fun. I love that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah. The same people keep popping up, which is kind of how it works in this world. So, cause it's all fake anyway. <clears throat> so. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> Edgar Mitchell was part of the Apollo 14 mission to the moon in 1971, and he was the sixth human to walk on the moon, which mm. pretty sweet. And wasn't Apollo 13 the one that caught on fire? Yeah, I think Apollo 13 was the unlucky one. Ironically. Okay, so yeah, so going on Apollo 14 was kind of like a hmm, fingers crossed action, well, I guess. Maybe. Didn't Apollo 11 have some issues trying to land or something? I don't know. I feel like that's right. Well, Apollo 11 is the one that landed. I think, yeah, I don't know. There may have been some, maybe they had to move the location or something. I'm sure, I'm sure something was kind of like <gasps> at one point. But... I mean, pretty much for all of them, right? It's pretty tense. It's pretty, yeah. like, stuff goes wrong. It's, well, it's... I imagine too, at some point, if you're going around the moon, you lose contact just because you don't have like a direct connection with the planet. Uh-huh. You know? So yeah, there was probably, I'm sure there was something with the landing. I'm sure it didn't go like 100%, like, yep, everything worked out perfect. Yay. So, I mean, really anyone who's been willing to be shot into space, there's some kind of commendation. Cause like, yeah, I mean, there could be space ghosts that like possess you. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's a real risk. Mm -hmm. Um, Space ghost. (laughs) I haven't got to say that in a long time. So. So anyway, the results of the ESV experiments he conducted were published in the Journal of Parapsychology in 1971. And he retired from NASA and the U.S. Navy in October of 1972. Immediately after, he founded the Edgar D. Mitchell and Associates of Monterey, California, a commercial organization promoting ecologically pure products and services designed to alleviate planetary problems. Oh, that sounds not familiar at all. What's funny is like you hear about all these people going out into space and then coming back going, we got to fix the earth. This is the only earth we have. We have to do yeah. good stuff. And then everyone's like, oh, look at the astronaut. Ha, ha, ha. Like no one listens. It's ridiculous. Anyway, after moving to Atherton, California, he became founding chairman of the Institute of Noetic Sciences, IONS in Palo Alto, California in 1973 for the purpose of consciousness research and other quote related phenomena. Yeah. I was actually a member of the Institute of Noetic Sciences for a while. I got their magazine like in the nineties. So, and then I stopped because I realized it was a bunch of weird shit. So (laughs) like, even when I was into weird shit, it it wasn't my kind of weird shit. It was the touchy feely, hippy dippy. weird. Yeah. So Yeah. Anyway, it has been asserted that Mitchell's Mind Science Institute, which was another thing he created, which was a Los Angeles-based organization that had got subsumed by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, was employed by the Central Intelligence Agency as a surreptitious conduit for payment to a person named Andrea Puharik and Yuri Geller while the latter was being evaluated by a research group in 1972. Huh. So... Andrea Puharik, 
his real name, I believe, was like Hans Karl Perik, but then he changed his name later in life, which is cool. People are allowed to do that. That's not necessarily a sketchy thing. He actually is personally responsible for bringing both Yuri Geller and Peter Herkos to the United States for psychic testing. He brought Peter <gasps> Herkos in 1956, and then he brought Yuri Geller in 1971. So we started to get those links, right? He, yeah. That's why Peter Herkos came to the United States, because this dude brought him. It is said, however, that Andrea Puharik in 1960 investigated materialization seances at Camp Chesterfield, but he discovered that they were using cheesecloth to fake ectoplasm. So they're fakes. So he's kind of walking that line of like, I'm bringing people who are probably fakes, but then also he's like looking to see who's faking stuff. So. No, he's a true believer, so he wants to find the real psychic. So maybe he believes some of them, but he's not going to believe anyone who walks up to him and goes, hey, I can't. Only some people can fool him, not everybody. So in 1961, he actually played himself on the Perry Mason television series in the episode The Case of the Meddling Medium. Yeah, so he became kind of a person. And then among his published works are The Sacred Mushroom, Key to the Door of Eternity. I wonder what that's about. Beyond Telepathy, and the intro to that book was written by Ira Einhorn, who is also known as the Unicorn Killer. So there you go. Then he wrote a biography about Yuri Geller entitled Yuri, A Journal Mystery of Yuri Geller. And then he wrote a book about the origin of life called The Origin of Life. And then he wrote one called The Art of Healing. And then he wrote one about Tesla's magnifying transmitter. He wrote a bunch of other stuff, too. He wrote, like, articles and, like, was editor on stuff and contributed to books and that kind of thing but yeah those are not just some of his published things nice so yeah so in 1976 mitchell attempted to secure additional funding for the sri group's remote viewing research in a private meeting with director of central intelligence george hw bush Mm. i know crazy Um, although bush demurred citing post watergate investigations of the intelligence community i we can't be getting involved with this nonsense right now people are watching us Mm -hmm. he suggested the pursuit of military sponsorship leading to the formation of the stargate project in 1978 yeah and sri was another one of the groups that was doing like psychic testing for like the government like as a contractor kind of thing Mm -hmm. so And the Stargate Project was a secret U.S. Army unit established in 1978 at Fort Meade, Maryland. Stargate Project's work primarily involved remote viewing. Ooh. And this was the project that I was trying to remember the name of when we were talking about the psychic detectives. I mentioned that they were doing, you know, we mentioned MKUltra. And then I was like, and then they were doing like some separate remote viewing stuff. This is also the project that is the John Ronson book and then became the movie The Men Who Stare at Goats. Okay. Okay. And then the Stargate project was terminated and declassified in 1995 after a CIA report concluded that it was never useful in any intelligence operation. They were still doing it in 1995. Yeah. So while the X-Files was running, (laughs) this project was still going on. That is pretty wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mitchell claimed that a teenage remote healer living in Vancouver, another X-Files tie-in, going under the pseudonym of Adam Dream Healer, helped him heal kidney cancer from a distance from December 2003 until June 2004. Mitchell said that while he never had a biopsy, he did have a sonogram and an MRI that was consistent with renal carcinoma. So he claims he had cancer and that this dude healed him from remote. So remote healing. 
even. So like Zoom healing. So, <laughs> except Zoom wasn't around in 2003. Anyway, no. Mitchell also publicly expressed his opinions that he was 90% sure that many of the thousands of unidentified flying objects or UFOs recorded since the 1940s belong to visitors from other planets. That is a quote from the 90% to the other planets part. It was his opinion that the evidence for alien contact was very strong and classified by governments who were covering up visitations and the existence of alien bodies in places such as Roswell, New Mexico. He further claimed that UFOs had provided, quote, sonic engineering secrets that were helpful to the U.S. government. Huh. Mitchell died at the age of 85 on February 4th, 2016, on the eve of the 45th anniversary of his lunar landing. And he was the last surviving member of the Apollo 14 crew. The others had died in the 90s. So, oh. yeah. Well, good for him. He had a long life and a very interesting career. Yeah. And a little kooky. So. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Look, the man went to the moon. Okay. You come back different. It's just how it is. Is it? <laughs> he was different before. He was interested in stuff before he went to the moon. That is why he did the experiment on the way. And apparently he did it. I'm like, dude, you're going to the moon. And he's like taking time out to do these psychic experiments on the moon. Like they were secret. So he was like, what? how can you, where can you hide? It's not like there's like, I'm going to go in the bedroom. See you guys later. I'll be back. Like, hey, Edgar, get out of the bathroom. What are you doing in there? I mean, he's just on. standing on the moon staring. And they're like, dude, you, you got to come inside now. And he's like, wait, I'm, no. I'm working on something. Yeah, oh, he apparently did it. He they didn't because they had they were so scheduled. He had to do it. This will come up a little bit later. He had to do it on the way there and on the way back because, like, uh, while they were there, there was no time. Gotcha. So, yeah. Doctor Joseph Banks Ryan, usually known as J.B. Ryan, was an American botanist who founded parapsychology as a branch of psychology, founding the Parapsychology Lab at Duke University, the Journal of Parapsychology, mm. the Foundation for Research on the Nature of Man. And the Parapsychological Association. Yeah. So the Journal of Parapsychology was started by him, which then Edgar Mitchell would put his little results in in 1971. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Ryan's results in ESP and telekinesis have never been duplicated by the scientific community. So. Oh. Could not duplicate his test. It didn't sound like that when they were talking about him. <laughs> no, it did not. And his two major works were Extrasensory Perception in 1934 and Parapsychology, Frontier Science of the Mind in 1957. Mm. And then, like we mentioned earlier, the Zenner cards are a deck of 25 cards with five of each symbol. The five symbols are a hollow circle, a plus sign, three vertical wavy lines, a hollow square, and a hollow five-pointed star. Yep. The cards were actually designed by perceptual psychologist Carl Zenner, hence the name, in the early 1930s for experiments conducted with his colleague, parapsychologist jb ryan oh so ryan didn't create them it was someone else no. mm. yeah the original series of experiments have been discredited and replication has proven elusive because again a lot of it comes down to random chance yeah then we talked a little bit about dr lawrence kennedy well they mentioned him and we see him and his son chris and their future cult possibly <laughs> i couldn't find a lot about them but I did find two things and we're going to do something here. Keep your ears peeled for another special bonus newspaper reading. That's all I'm going to say. So Ooh, yeah, we'll have links to, and some of them are super meta. 
So it's pretty interesting. Yeah. So Tori has not seen this yet. She does not know. I'm just dropping this on her now. No, I have no idea what's going on. So, yeah. (laughs) And so that is all we're going to say about Dr. Lawrence Kennedy, his son, Chris, and their future cult for now. Okay. All right. Robert Allen Moore was a radio broadcasting executive who became known for his research into altered consciousness, and he founded the Monroe Institute. His 1971 book, Journeys Out of the Body, is credited with popularizing the term out-of-body experience. Ooh. So I don't know if he created it or if he just popularized it, but yeah. Yeah. Monroe founded the Monroe Institute after he started having what he called out-of-body experiences, a.k.a. OBEs. The Institute is housed in several buildings on 300 acres of land south of Charlottesville, Virginia. Wow. One of its activities includes teaching various techniques based on audio guidance processes in order to expand consciousness and explore areas of consciousness not normally available in the waking state. Ooh. Yeah, interesting. I'd love to see what kind of test they do. I wonder if you can like take a vacation there. <laughs> well, keep reading. <laughs> Keep reading. In 1978, the U.S. military evaluated the Monroe Institute and arranged to send officers there for OBE training and sent additional officers in 1983. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. And you can currently attend residential and virtual retreats there. So Mm -hmm. clearly we need to take a podcast retreat where we just go and learn ESP at this place. Links in the show notes for the Monroe Institute. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of which. You can also check out the Alex Tanos Foundation online as well. So if you want to learn more, this is the guy who that we saw a little bit of doing the remote viewing stuff. And then they just like, boom, jumped away. Uh-huh. So he has a thing and you can check out his. He has a foundation. So interestingly, in that little clip where they're testing him, the person administering the test to him at the American Society for Psychical Research is unnamed in the episode. But it is Carlos Osis. He was a Latvian-born parapsychologist who specialized in exploring deathbed phenomena and life after death. So huh. again, we're going even further, like a field of like ESP. So now we're doing like life after death stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's interesting. I would love to know more about that. There's a link about him in the show notes. <laughs> I should read the show notes before. <laughs> Look, I've had a very long week at work, okay? And it's just, it's that time of year where my brain is just shuts off. It's like, I do not have anything left. And it just hit the table. The American Society for Psychical Research is the oldest psychical research organization in the United States. For more than a century, its mission has been to explore extraordinary or as yet unexplained phenomena that have been called psychic or paranormal and their implications for our understanding of consciousness, the universe, and the nature of existence. It maintains offices and a library in New York City, which are both open to members and the general public. And the society has an open membership, so anyone with an interest in psychical research is invited to join. Mm-hmm. It maintains a website, and it publishes a quarterly journal of the American Society for Psychical Research. And their website is a living time capsule. Oh, my God. You got to go to this website. <laughs> Link in the show notes. Yeah, you are going to be like, oh, my God, where am I? What, what year is this? Um, yeah, whoa. <laughs> Whew, man. 
it's, it's almost GeoCities, basically. Oh, so, no. Yeah. <laughs> I remember those days. <laughs> but at least you can make your own website. Like, I feel like now. Just... <laughs> I mean, it's not hosted on GeoCities, I assume. No, I know. Um, I'm just saying those yeah, times were that, like websites looked ridiculous, but everyone could just make one really easily. And it took like an afternoon. It was great. Yeah, it's got it. the it's got the bullet points and the tables and just yeah just the layout is like oh my god yeah (laughs) and then dr charles t tart is an american psychologist and parapsychologist known for his psychological work on the nature of consciousness particularly altered states of consciousness Mm -hmm. and he's one of the founders of the field of transpersonal psychology and he's also known for his research in parapsychology was also apparently very big in OBEs. Wow. Okay. That's that's something he also works on. And some of his published works include Altered States of Consciousness in 1969 as an editor, Transpersonal Psychologies in 1975, On Being Stoned, a Psychological Study of Marijuana Intoxication in 1971, Mm. States of Consciousness in 1975, Learning to use extrasensory perception in 1976. Very on brand for this episode. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Psy, scientific studies of the psychic realm in 1977. It's like pumping out one a year for a while there. And then the end of materialism, how evidence of the paranormal is bringing science and spirit together in 2009. Yeah. The only thing I could find on psychic, Karen Getzla was in David Zink's book, The Ancient Stone Speak, in 1979. I cannot find anything else about her anywhere, not in Duke University, not anything. She had worked with him apparently on his Bimini research, so Atlantis. So apparently she was there with all of them doing that stuff. She only gets two pages in his book, pages 144 to 145. The book is available on archive.org. And who knows, maybe we'll lump those pages in with our Dr. Lawrence Kennedy special coverage and just do a little quick reading on that, too. It's so. interesting that she's introduced as like this amazing psychic. And then there's like nothing about her. Yeah, I, somehow I got her name spelled correctly because like I was just guessing because obviously we don't see names on the screen. I know it and, drives me crazy. Yeah. And but I guess I guessed it correctly because by the time I was able to finally find something. Um, I actually had to, I only found her because then I started like trying to link her and Tiwanako and David Zink together. And then I found his book and then I went to his book and I looked in the index and her name was there. And that's the only place I actually found her name at all. And I was like, yeah, I spelled it right. Cause when I just tried finding her, I, I could not find anything about her, even though I was spelling her name. Right. So, yeah. So sometimes you got to dig, dig, dig primary sources, people, primary sources. Although it would be nice if they would give us the spellings of the names, because I know sometimes I have to like look them up and then I'm like searching like what I think it is, plus like NASA or whatever, trying to have something come up. And yeah, like, sometimes if you get close enough, Google will help you. I know I found a couple on IMDb, but it doesn't list them per episode. It just lists a bunch of contributors together, like on a giant thing. So you have to like scroll through lists to try and find them. But yeah, kind of like Bev Yeager. Ooh, that was a hand. <laughs> I had a whole story about someone completely different. So, yeah, which was kind of fun. But anyway, so. yeah, it was funny. And now I think we have a special, special, special thing that's going to happen here. Yeah, we're going to do like an ESP test. So I have those cards, obviously. I mentioned I had them. 
Um, I ordered a set from Amazon this week and they got delivered in time, which I wasn't sure they would. Oh my God. Um, so you didn't just have them. You got them. I did not for just this. have them. I bought them for this. Oh episode. my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Wow. It's like 12 wow, bucks wow, wow. on Amazon. I should have, I didn't know to look for the colored ones, but your um, Patreon dollars being put to good use. <laughs> I gotta tell you. <laughs> Okay, are they the are them. they the ones with the bicycle back or which one yeah they're okay. the bicycle back ones the ones are just, like the bicycle back yeah. okay so i'm going to um i'm not wearing makeup so i apologize i'm gonna turn on my camera just so i can show you if you're right or wrong so you know i'm not doing a peter vankman and just lying to you which well, by I'm the way that's that we don't, I don't like have electric things connected to me so that's cool. yeah okay. <laughs> that scene so funny and he's just like <laughs> He always shows the guy the wrong card, but then he doesn't show her the card at all. And I'm like, why wouldn't you question that a little bit? He's always just yeah. like. And then at the end, when the dude gets it right, he's like, oh, wrong again. It doesn't show up the card. I know. It's so ridiculous. It's such oh, a God. good scene, though. How do I turn yeah. on my. Oh, there it is. Start video. All right. Um, sorry, I'm not wearing makeup. Hello. Hello. <laughs> all right. Um, so obviously, I have the cards. They're okay. shuffled. I will shuffle. Yeah, I can again. verify that I can see Tori. <laughs> Yeah, you can. She's got some Christmas lights up in the background, it looks like, on her wall. Yeah, there. I do. Yeah. They're not on, though. I should turn them on. We, we do, too, but they're white. We use, we got the white ones, and they kind of blend in. My head looks really tiny in this camera. <laughs> <laughs> it's also my hair is pulled back. I really need to get my hair cut again, because it's, it's gotten just long enough that it's driving me nuts again, so I need to get it cut. Ooh, All right. The ASMR. Just shuffling, shuffling the cards. Shuffling the cards. Okay, so I'm going to randomly pick a card. I'm going to okay. look at it, and I'm going to send Nick a psychic signal. Okay, I'm wondering if know. I should close my eyes or if I should look at you when you're sending the psychic signal. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm just going to think of the image really hard okay. right now. Picturing it in my mind. And you need to tell me what image it is. I think it is a star. It's not. It is a square. <laughs> Oh, hmm. okay. All so right. wrong. All right, let's try another one. <laughs> let's see. <laughs> see if you can do better this time. All right. Well, maybe I'll close my eyes because I was I was watching you that time to see if I okay. could if I could see it. So maybe you I should just close my, my eyes and try and try and visualize it in the blackness of my closed eyes. There, the little shapes that form around my vision. Okay, I am picturing this image. A circle. No. Damn it. It's a star. Star. Damn. Right. I'm just ahead. I'm predicting the future. <laughs> all right. See, last time I said star, and then this time it's a star. So what's really happening is I'm not, I'm 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 thinking what you're going to do in the future, and I'm getting it confused because I don't have really good control over my psychic energy, is what's happening. There you go. So, you're just yeah. A little okay. So got the next which actually card. is very similar to what happened with Edgar Mitchell, by the way, because it turns out. When he was sending his signals, he made a handmade set of cards to send. So he basically did the same test. Okay. Um, but because, like I said, they had stuff to do, he <laughs> couldn't do the test when he meant to. So the people that, that he was sending the messages to wrote down their answers like 40 minutes before he sent the messages. Oh. So then oh. they explained it that they were really testing predilection. Like they were, they were able to see into the future of what he was going to pick. So I'm doing Ooh. the same thing. Oh, what's I happening see. You're here. seeing in the future. Yeah, I'm right. seeing it in the future, and I just I'm not realizing it. So got the next card, so I'm just gonna focus really hard on the image. Keep my eyes. So this one, I think, and I think it might be the actual image that's being burned into my eyes from looking at the computer screen, but I think I'm gonna go with a square. It's waves. 
waves. I almost said waves. I was gonna, I was literally gonna say waves, but I could see a square in my eyes because there's a square <laughs> burned into my eyes from looking at the screen. Right. So I was gonna say waves. So I think I get points for that one. Okay. All right. Next card. Let's try it again. Okay. Hmm. Okay. I want to say triangle, but there's not a triangle. Not, so it's not, not a triangle. <laughs> so I am going to say a circle. It's a square. Oh, see again, I'm predicting <laughs> the future. It's a square. Yeah, last you get square like before, and then you're just not quite getting it. Yeah, the square is like in the future, apparently, because every time I pick square, yeah, yeah. All right, next card. We'll just do a couple more of these. I'm just really entertaining for people. Oh, we're not going to go through all 25? Okay, all right, good. All right. Like I said, again, I'm glad I'm not getting shocks. Although maybe if I was getting shocks, maybe I would get better. Yeah, maybe you'd be learning. ESP. Negative reinforcement. Dr. Vinkman knew what he was doing, okay? <laughs> I mean, actually, in the movie, it actually does seem to work because then the dude starts getting them right, but he still says he get them wrong. Yeah, he just is yeah. trying to flirt with the girl, so it doesn't matter, but yeah. Then Ray comes in and ruins it. I know. All right, I'm focusing on the image. I think you have negative ESP effect as well. <laughs> um, I am actually very psychic. No, I'm not at all. You said star? Yes. It's a plus. A plus. Oh. Or the cross or whatever you want to call it. It's the, the plus sign. All right, let's do one more. All Final right. time. Final time. All right. I'm going to think of the image and also the word of the image. And I'm going to think that very hard in your direction. Okay. There's a square. It's a circle. Circle. <laughs> Just check the next one's not a square. All right. <laughs> so I don't I don't think you and I have ESP, at least what was combined. that like zero out of seven? Did we do like, seven? Is that what I think we it did? was seven, six or seven, yeah. None right though, none correct. <laughs> I mean, there's also the whole thing of like there's that little bit of lag in Zoom. And so <laughs> I mean, it's just yeah. But even then you only got two, even if you're like counting the squares. Cause well, like, there's that one time when I think I think my 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 real perceptions got in the way of my extrasensory perceptions because I had that square shape burned in my eye from uh -huh. looking at the screen. And then I wanted to say wavy line, but I was like, no, I see a square, and then I was wrong, and it turned out to be wavy line. So I think yeah. <laughs> I think that counts. Yeah, it's close. Anyway, yeah. So apparently, like combined, we don't have any ESP, so we'll have to work on that. Yeah. I'm also assuming, I'm going to say, I could not see the card when you were holding it. So you might have just been picking up the wrong card to make me look foolish. So I would not. I, that's why I have my camera on. I, was, <laughs> I would not lie. I am very honest when it comes to psychic abilities. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed this little side fun. Our little, our little test to see how we did. Nick did not do as well as JJ. 
No, I did <laughs> not do. Probably getting his answers from. Tori didn't have a mirror behind her, unfortunately. No. So, um, yeah. But <laughs> also, I will say, so your cards have red background. Yes. Um, the ones that Peter Venkman uses are, have the blue background, the other bicycle mm-hmm. one. Um, but Peter Venkman does use the ones that are all black. He doesn't use the colored ones. His, even sure. though they're giant, they also are the black ones. So, yeah. Yeah, if we had the colored ones, you could like guess a color and a shape and see if you could get any part of it right. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I just think it's supposed to be like you're supposed to be able to like, you know, because maybe you don't feel the shape, but you feel the color or you feel the number. And so that would then if you felt like like if I felt three, I would say wavy lines. Right. Or if I felt I think the is which one is yellow? I think, I think the, the circle, circle is yellow. yellow. Yeah. Yeah. And so like if I felt yellow, then I would say circle, right? Or if I felt one, I would say circle. So I think it's supposed to give you that little extra little bit there of what you maybe you don't, maybe you don't, maybe your mind doesn't work with shapes. Maybe your mind is, you know, you have colors or you think with numbers or whatever. So yeah. Make sure we hit all those bases. So maybe that was the flaw too, is that I was thinking mainly only in shapes. Maybe you are so, trying to think of like numbers. Yeah, cause I am, well, cause I am a number dude. So maybe True. that was the flaw. I should have thought of numbers. So <laughs> mm, there we go. Okay. Well, maybe we'll do it again in a little while. We'll see. If I think this proves that psychic <laughs> is real and I just need to practice more. So I'm spending too much time editing podcasts and yeah. editing my psychic ability. Yeah. So, there you go. Yes. Yeah, I need to hone my psychic ability. <laughs> so yeah. All right. Well, stay tuned in the future. Ooh, getting a signal. There might be something coming up in the future about Dr. Lawrence Kennedy and his creepy son, Chris, and their cult, and maybe Karen Getzler. So stay tuned. Yeah. And thank you for listening. And thank you for supporting us on Patreon. We appreciate it. Yeah. You bought some cards. So good job. (laughs) So we could play psychic. And now I will carry those around with me and try and test people's psychic ability randomly. We'll see. Cool. Do you have tarot cards too? Are you a tarot card person? I, I used to have a tarot deck like a long time ago. I don't think I still have it. I might because like I have a a box of stuff that has some like toys and plushies and stuff. It might be in there because that was the last time I saw it. But I don't remember if it got lost in a move or if I still have them. But I don't use them or anything. So Okay. Yeah. All righty. Yeah. Well, as Tori said, thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting us. We will talk to you. Well, we'll talk to you like three days a week. But <laughs> as far as In Search of goes, next Wednesday, In Search of Wednesday. Yeah. More In Search of. Bye-bye. Bye. Don't be like Tori. Read the show notes. Put all the links in there. So <laughs> I'll get around to it, you know, at <laughs> some point. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded in collaboration with Black Cat and Orange Tuxedo Studios. Episode production design and editing is by Lazy End Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz and The Truth is What We Make of It by The Agrarians. Our premium feed is where you can find all of our X-Files adjacent bonus episodes covering television and films that are, you guessed it, X-Files adjacent. If you like these bonus episodes, tell a friend about our Patreon page. We'd love to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next Wednesday as we go in search of Nazi plunder. And try to figure out if If the the truth truth is still still out there. The truth is what we make of it.
And then at the American Society for Phys... Sorry, psychical. I was going to say physical. That's not the right word. And then at the American Society for... Oh my God, I cannot... (laughs) I keep trying to say physical. That's not the word. Psychical. All right. Yeah, they need to not use the same letters for those two words. I'm sorry. Come up with a new word. It's very close. It's very close. Baby, are you psychical? Yeah, you psychic kitty. Yeah. (laughs) We get him. He just had a snack, but like, let me get him some treats or something. So maybe he'll calm down. He is learning. He knows that if he whines and I just, I'll give him treats. Is that what you know? You know, you can get treats. And mommy just got the good crunchies. I got the good crunchies at the fancy pet store. Here you go. You can have some good crunchies, okay? Billy, you can have a couple of crunchies. Here you go. Here you go. There you guys go. Good lord. All right. Cats. They know. They know. Yeah, they're I'm just whining they're enough. Just chilling. They got the heating pads on the bed and stuff. So I think they're just chilling now over here. I don't know. Mine usually just chill, but like I think Locke has figured out that when I start talking, if he whines, I'm <laughs> Get treats. So that he stops whining. It's a terrible system. 